Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise God. Y'all glad to be here tonight? Amen. I'm glad to see everybody. Good things in store. Wasn't, wasn't this morning fun? We had the sheriff, and then we had Barney Five tonight. So we had, we had I think it's the first time I heard somebody re- reference Huckleberry in a, on a Sunday morning. So uh, <laughs> we had a good time this morning. Hallelujah. There's a lot of scriptures you can read about what we talked about this morning. A lot of good things, a lot of, a lot of truth out there. I tell you what. What Jesus has done, what he's accomplished is amazing. Go to, go to Revelations. Go to Revelation. <laughs> go to Revelations. This is not what I'm talking about tonight, but Revelations chapter 1. Man, these are awesome verses here. Of course, you have the, this is a, the revelation to John from the Lord Jesus. Don't be scared by the book of Revelation. It's amazing. But uh, just starting one seventeen. So when I saw him, of course, you know, Jesus appeared and he described what Jesus looked like, you know. And uh, he said, I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his hand on me and said, don't be afraid. Aren't you glad? He's always, his response is, don't be afraid. Amen. No matter what the situation, fear not, right? He said, don't be afraid. He said, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and is, was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of Hades and of death. Apparently, most of you have no idea how amazing that is. He said, behold, I was dead, but now I'm alive. He said, I hold the keys of hell and death. All all power, all authority was given. He not just given, he earned it. He took it. Hallelujah. I think about that, the scene that must have taken place in hell. You know, the devil thought he had won. I mean, they were so happy. They were so, they had, they, they knew who Jesus was. They knew exactly who he was and they thought they had won the day. The biggest upset in human or not human history in the history of creation. They had, they had the goods on, on, on one of the Godhead. The son was in chains in their control. Don't you know every, every demon took it, took a break from their job, whatever they were doing, terrorizing people. They all showed up to look and watch those three days. I guarantee you all of hell's attention was on him in his face, mocking him, just tormenting him. And imagine that sound <laughs> when the sound came from the father, it, it, Hey, it's finished. It's done. And Jesus stood up, broke off those chains. <laughs> I'm telling you, it went from the devil's best day to his worst nightmare. Yeah, they, no one had ever gotten out before. No one had ever gotten out of there. And the devil himself knows he can't get out. They thought they had won the biggest victory, the biggest coup in the world. They had done the biggest thing. He cast them off, threw them aside. Made them look real stupid in front of everybody. Everybody there thought they had made them all. He made a show of them openly. And Jesus was like. 
And then he reached out and he snatched the very keys the devil got from Adam. He snatched them right back and said, I'll take those. Thank you very much. And then he was risen from the dead, right? He showed up and then he gave those keys to you and me. Hallelujah. Woo. Praise God. <laughs> I'm reminded of that scripture, right? When, uh, when, when he, Jesus showed up, you know, on the shores and the madman of Gadara showed up and he was, ah, Woo! They, they were all scared. There's Jesus shows up. He said, are you, have you come to torment me before the time? Remember that? Remember the, remember the fear they had? Have you come to torment me before the time? Guess who gets to torment the devil now? Those keys were taken. We get to torment the devil. He says that about you when you know who you are and what's been done for you and who you are in Christ. And the fact that the keys that Jesus won, you're walking around with those keys. You're walking around with those keys. He is terrified of you. <laughs> Woo. Pull aside instead of having a gun, you pull your, your, your jacket back. You got one of the big old keychains. Yeah. With the little zipper things on you. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. You think you can get it? Whoop, let it go. Whoop, comes right back. No, it's mine. You can't get it from me, right? <laughs> tormenting, the, tormenting the devil. He's trying to get it and it retracts back to your belt. No, it's mine. Jesus gave it to me. You can't have it. <laughs> Woo, praise God. You got authority. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, go to, go to Matthew chapter 18. Got pieces of paper stuck in my Bible, things that I've been reading. <laughs> I tell you, let this get in you. I tell you, it'll change the way you look at everything in life. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. Assuredly, 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 I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm going to read that again. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Why is that? It's because you've got the keys. You've got the key, not only of the kingdom, you've got the keys of hell and death and the grave. You have access to all of them. Woo, praise God. Those are amazing facts, not just stories, not just scriptures. Those are amazing facts that have been established for you and I. Hallelujah. They're yours. The moment you get born again, you don't have to be born again a hundred years and no G just the moment you get saved, those keys belong to you. Who praise God. We need to do some binding. We need some loosening. Do some declaring, hallelujah. Start flexing those keys a bit. Showing off that badge a bit. Looking for devils to torment. They asked him, have you done it before the time? I'm telling you what, it's time to irritate the devil. It's time to torment him. Now, the day's coming, he's going to get locked up for good and hell itself will be destroyed, right? But in the meantime, we get to torment the devil by walking like Jesus on the earth. Praise God. Hmm. Pastor said he was going to talk about it this morning. Can't wait till he does. It's going to be good stuff. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is so good. 
Hallelujah. Well, we've been talking about healing around here on Sunday nights for the last little while. And I want to continue. And it wasn't last week good with Brother Alan when he was here. Such an awesome thing. He's talking about uh, things about you and ministry, being able to pray for people, lay hands on the sick, you know, that, that they have to, those things have to respond to you, right? You can be used in those areas. I taught a message years ago. God has a plan and you're it. His plan has not changed, right? You're it. It's, it's, in, it's up to you. It's up to me. It's up to us. But, you know, those truths he talked about, when you meditate on them, they'll set you free as well for yourself personally. You know, God wants you to walk in power when you're praying for people, but he wants you to live in power for yourself. He wants you to live in the victory that he's won for you. Amen. So we've been talking about healing. We want to talk more about it tonight and uh, look at a few things, and I believe it'll be good. You excited tonight? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to come before your word. Father, we lift up our nation, our country. Father, we thank you for good leadership in the name of Jesus. We bind every lying, deceitful devil in the name of Jesus, and we rebuke you, and we command you to stop your activity. Father, we lose righteousness and peace and an environment where your people can live in peace and the gospel can prevail. Father, we thank you for moving on the hearts of those who, who uh, uh, in the careers and the lives of those whose hearts are, are toward you and yielded to you, Father, and causing their uh, uh, places of influence to grow and to increase, Lord, so that your will will be done in the earth. Father, we thank you for, we thank you for our time together this morning or this evening, rather, Father. Open our eyes. Help us see what we need to see. Father, we love you so very much. We're thankful for your word tonight, Lord. Help me say what needs to be said, but help every person to hear what you would say to them. Father, we thank you for it in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. So like we said, we've been talking about uh, healing on, uh, on Sunday nights. I don't have a flashy title, just healing is what we've been talking about. And, um, I was trying to think before service, you know, we always want to do like a little quick recap and, and, and talk about different things. And, uh, it's, it's all good stuff. And so it's hard to pick anything, any one particular, uh, or a few things rather to, to point out. Uh, but I love the quotes, you know, that I've been reading from different ones and especially from John G. Lake and the, the things that he wrote, uh, in his book and his writings, his sermons. And, um, I don't want to read all of it, but uh, you have the one where the different ones were talking to him about, you know, be patient, you know, uh, bring glory to God. God's getting glory in your, in your sickness and all that nonsense they were talking. And um, uh, he, said, uh, he said, one day I discovered that it was not the will of God at all, but the will of the, for him to be sick. But it was the will, will of the dirty, crooked-legged de- crooked devil that wanted to make me like himself. It is not the will of God that we walk in sickness in any single area. Amen. I said, it's not the will of God we walk in sickness in any single area in our life. Amen. Now, we know the body's getting older. You know, we can see. I don't know about you, but I have a couple gray hairs showing up until Clairol covers them up. And uh, I I think you color your hair. I do. I can't have a pretty young young looking wife and then look like she's married to her dad. So I got to do something about it, you know. And... uh, because she colors her hair. I, want to, I don't want to be look like she's married to her granddad. But anyway, so uh, if I don't start now, I'll end up looking like him. And so that, I can't have that happen. So I know what the future has. So I'm going to cover it up in the name of Jesus. But anyway, we know we're getting older, you know, with a few extra lines here and there, wrinkles here and there. But, you know, we can live life strong. We can live life whole. Amen. We don't have to live like life like everybody else, amen? We, we can live life the way the Bible says, amen? And uh, uh, John G. Lake said, you know, after he went and got prayed for, he said he walked out of that place and walked on the street like a Christian. I love that. 
He said, it taught me that God does not appreciate a man with crooked legs any more than he does a crooked soul. God wants us healthy. In another place he wrote, he said, I want to keep the fact forever clear. The purpose of Christ's redemption is sinlessness, sicklessness, and ultimately deathlessness. Amen. Praise God. And that's great for John G. Lake to say that, but what about you? How do you see this? How do you see God's will in your life? It's so important that you make these things personal for yourself. Amen. So we're talking about the fact that it's God's will to heal. We'll look at a few more things here in just a minute. But then we start talking about uh, the fact that um, uh, healing must be received. You know, and just because something is God's will doesn't mean it just happens automatically, right? The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but all would come to the knowledge of the truth, that everyone would be born again. Well, there are people perishing every single day, every single moment. Even as we've churches started, thousands upon thousands have stepped into eternity. Many of them did not know Christ, and they would, they, you could say, and it is true of them, that they have perished. They have left this life not knowing Jesus, and it's a sad and terrible thing. He doesn't want any of that to take place. In fact, he secured every person who ever dies and goes to hell. Jesus secured their freedom. He secured their redemption. He paid the price for every one of their sins, every one of their mistakes, every one of their misdeeds, every single bit of it. Jesus has already paid the price for all of it. Not just those who get born again, who accept it, but all of humanity has been paid for. I think one of the worst things about hell, forget about all the other things, is the realization and the, and the being aware of the fact that the reason why you're there is, is you don't, is because, it's not because of what you did. Jesus took care of it. It's your refusal to accept what he did for you. And the realization that you don't have to be there, you could be somewhere else. But this is where you are because you refuse Jesus. Well, it's not his will that any should perish, but people are perishing. People, people are doing this. this. Is why they have to not only, not only do they have to believe that Jesus came, died, shed his blood, was raised from there, but they have to receive it. Well, healing is the same way. It must be received. It's not just good enough to believe that God can or that he wants to. Those things are important, but we have to receive our healing. Amen. And so we know, we can see, you know, that this is such an important thing. And like I said, having been raised here and been a part of this church for all of these years, raised here in the last 20 years, you know, uh, almost 20 years on staff here, you know, uh, these are things that we know, but we need revelation on these things. We need understanding. Anytime you hear something more than one time, right, you need to make sure you take a step back and not hear it through the, the funnel or, or, or the, the, uh, the, what, I don't know what the right word is, the, the lens or the filter. Somebody said filter. Gene, you say filter? No. Marcia, you said filter? It was somebody back here. That was a good word. Yeah. She's like, is it me? It was you. Yeah. The filter, right? We don't want to hear through the filter of things that we've heard before, right? Or, you know, thank God for those things, but also not even through the filter of what we've experienced before, right? Need to hear it afresh and hear it new, right? Because it's reality. And, it, and, and one of the things that, that, and we'll talk here in just a minute, not just that God wants that, that healing uh, he wants you healed. He, he absolutely, it's not just if you're willing. Yeah, yeah, I'm willing. I'm willing to heal you. He wants you whole. He wants you delivered. He wants you free from those things, right? So we need to hear things the right way. We need revelation in these matters and understanding in these things. And uh, I believe God has it for us. Amen? Uh, let's see. Um, anything that's been freely given must be received. So we know that that's the truth as well. Uh, you can go back and listen to the things we talked about last time. Uh, let me see if anything I want to touch on before we, before we move on.
Praise God. Thank the Lord. I do want to read this from Brother Hagin in his book, How God Taught Me About Prosperity. Uh, he was, you know, uh, he had left his uh, um, his uh, uh, pastor that he had. He had pastored, I don't know how many churches he pastored over the years, but uh, had left the last church. He said it was his most comfortable church and the best church he'd been at and had the best salary and, and the best uh, compensation. And, and the Lord called him out on the road. And, and when he went out, uh, you know, he was he was driving worse and living in worse and wearing worse than he had. And he was getting frustrated. And so he went to the Lord about it. And uh, basically the Lord said, you know, practice in what you preach. And so, you know, he, he repented and got things right. But he said this in that book, it's on, I forget what page it is. But he said, but he said, faith is the same in every realm and in every sphere. Faith works identically in every realm and in every sphere, fear or sphere. Faith for finances works just like faith for healing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or salvation. Faith is the same in the financial realm as it is in any others. And so we know that faith, this works the same in all of them. And the reason I say that there's this, a lot of times there's this idea that this is so difficult. This is hard. This is difficult. People say, I can receive easy in one area, but I struggle in this area. Anybody been there before and they think, I just struggle in this area to receive. It's all the same. And the fact that you can receive in one area means you can receive in this area as well. The devil wants you to buy into the thought that you can't receive. He wants you to buy into the idea that this is more difficult. This is trickier. This is harder. This is, this is just a more difficult thing to work out. It's exactly the same. One thing I love about John G. Lake, he said, he said, I made the decision to receive Jesus not only as my savior, but also I received him as my healer. And so it is the same way God will work in your life. Amen. Everybody say it. We said it last time. I'm a good receiver. I'm a good receiver. Hallelujah. These are things you need to just say of yourself, confess of yourself. We said, what is receiving? It's just taking hold, laying hold of what God has done for you. Amen. And so we need revelation, like I said, along these areas. And, and I believe he's given it to us. So I want to look at uh, some different things. I ended up with just, I started with like five uh, things or keys to receiving your healing. And it's grown into 10 or 11 at this point. And uh, uh, so we'll, we'll get to a few tonight. But I want to go back and do a little bit of a backtracking. Go back with me to, to Matthew, the ninth chapter. Uh, we looked at this originally when we were talking about God's will. We read this account. And uh, I, like I said, I want to go back to this because this has got to get established in you. This has got to be, it, no matter what you're facing, this has got to be how you see it absolutely. In Matthew, the ninth chapter, we were reading uh, um, you know, about the, the man who brought his son to, to Jesus. And we'll read all the verses. We'll look here in the 24th or 21st verse. So he said to his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said from childhood and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. You know, that is the point of sickness, disease, any torment, anything the devil does is to steal, kill, or destroy said, everything he does is to steal, kill, and destroy. You're in Matthew chapter 9, right? Matthew 9. That's where you are, Benji said. Let me see. I copied it from up above. Maybe I grabbed the wrong thing. Mark chapter 9. Oh, it makes a difference, my mom said. <laughs> it does make a difference. You're right. I was testing you. None of y'all were spiritual, so... <laughs> and Benji had to make it sure. Well, that's where you are. That's not where we are. Mark chapter nine. It's okay to have a good time in church, right? 
So his father said to him, how long has this been happening to you? You know, when you look up, you're preaching, people got this perplexed look on their face. I realize I wrote the wrong verse down. But anyway, he said, how long has this happening to him? He said, from childhood. And often he's thrown him into the fire and into the, the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. What a, what a monumental question. But, you know, you know, God is not upset when we have questions about things. When our heart's right, right? When, when we approach him with the right way, he wants to answer those kind of questions. But I will say this. Once the question's been answered and he's given you an answer, quit asking the same questions. You know, God is not uh, upset with us asking things of him. Sometimes we're, we don't ask questions when we should. Sometimes we don't want to go to God and admit we don't know something. He knows whether you know it or not. He's not confused by what you think you know or, or the... Or he, he, the person next to you might, might think you've got this and you might have total understanding, but he knows if you don't, right? And you can go and ask him things, but once he starts giving you some answers, don't ask him the same question over and over again. Are you sure? Did you really mean that, Lord? This man asked him, said, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. And Jesus quickly responded, said, if you can believe. And what did he say after that? All things are possible to him who believes. He settled this question forever, right? He settled the question on his will. Go over to Mark, the ninth chapter. We read that. Uh, you're in the ninth chapter. Go back to the fifth chapter, Mark chapter five. That's, did I say nine again? Testing you once more, but Mark chapter five. This isn't a famous, a famous account here that we know real well. Mark five twenty five says, now woman. A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had. She spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. But when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. These were powerful words here. And there's so many things about this that are interesting. And, and we'll look at this again later. But it said, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. For she said, if I may only touch his clothes, I'll be healed. It didn't say she had to hear it for 20,000 times or for 10 years. She heard it. We don't know how many times she heard it, but we know we, she heard it at least once. God can move in your life. You don't have to hear something over and over. You just have to believe it and accept what you hear. The reality is people can get healed tonight, even while we're sitting in service. Just hearing the word, the word that we've already given so far, you can lay hold of your healing right now tonight. Whatever it is that's facing, you can, you can walk in total health. Amen. She knew something. She believed something. And then she took something from Jesus. Jesus didn't even know who touched her. Jesus wasn't in the middle of a healing line. He was going somewhere. He was on his way somewhere. And this woman heard of Jesus, came in through the crowd, and she said, if I can just touch his clothes, I'm going to be healed. Jesus wasn't even aware she was there. I don't believe when Jesus said, who touched me, that he was playing games. Well, he was Jesus. He knew everything. He knew what the Spirit of God, told, the Holy Spirit told him. He knew that, Right? But the Spirit of God didn't alert him. The Spirit of God didn't need to alert him about this woman because she believed something and then she went and she took something. She received something from Jesus. She reached out and she took it. That's powerful right there. 
Oh, if I can just have the right preacher here, if I can just have the right person here. No, 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 no. You just need to know the truth about Jesus and reach out and take what you want. He's not offended by you taking something. The fact is he's already offering it. He's been offering it. He's offering total health in your life. He's offering total victory. All you got to do is just take it. She reached out, she touched his garment, touched the hem of his garment. It said, uh, uh, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done the thing and the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her. She wasn't afraid of Jesus. She was afraid of the fact that she had broken the law. She wasn't supposed to be in the crowd at all, but she did it anyways. Why? Because she believed something. She believed something so much to the place that she went and took what she believed. She said she looked around, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. She took what belonged to her. We need to take our healing. It is, this is another wonderful example of the fact that it is God's will for you to be healed. Jesus didn't reprimand her. He didn't correct her. In fact, he admonished her in front of everybody. Daughter, your faith has made you well. This has got to get established in us beyond all shadow of a doubt that God wants you healed. It's his will. Like I said, I know we're backtracking, but it's so important. You have to to see this not as just doctrine, but reality for you. Not just a teaching point that we teach at Impact Family Church, but a reality for you that God wants you healed. We need to leave tonight with with the understanding that God wants me healed. He desires I be whole in every area. God desires from the top of my head to the soles of my feet that every part of me be completely whole. It is the will of God that you be healthy, that you be whole. Go to uh, 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 Matthew, back to, go to Matthew. Now we're going to Matthew. Matthew chapter eight. Unless I wrote this verse down wrong too. I don't think I did. Matthew chapter eight. We're just laying, just once again, talking about the fact that it's Jesus' will to heal. His will to heal, will to heal you. I believe if you'll come to all of these, I'm doing most of these on Sunday nights, this will help many of you. There are several things in here that, and I'm not just saying this because I'm the one preaching, but you got to toot your own horn, right? But I do believe that there are things in here the Lord's given me, given us to look at. I believe we'll answer some questions for you. Don't just come and think, oh, I've heard this before. You may miss what you need to hear to make that connection. Amen. Matthew chapter eight, the 16th verse. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Now we'll we'll take a stop here just for a second. We have to see things the right way. It says that he cast the spirits out with what? A whole bunch of words. That he had this whole discourse he had to say. He had to work up some really good words. He had to get out his Hebrew dictionary and look up the biggest words and all the synonyms. He just with a what? A word. A word. Sometimes, sometimes we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to earn something. 
trying to earn our healing by knowing a lot of stuff and speaking a lot of words. I've actually had the Lord tell me to be quiet and chill out. You know, he'll talk to you the way you talk. He's just chill out. Quoting scripture, quoting scripture. Like I'm trying to quote enough scripture to finally earn this. He told me to be quiet. <laughs> he cast out the spirit with a word and healed how many? All who were, do you believe this is true? He healed everybody who was sick, all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the, by Isaiah, the prophet saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Notice he took them and he bore them. Is that past tense or is that future tense? That's past tense. Some of y'all been out of school for a while. That's past tense. That's, that's yesterday, right? He took and he bore. This has already been done. Listen, he took your sickness, your disease. You need to take your healing. He took, he took all of the things that are in the way for you to receive. He has done all of those things. We need to take our healing. You know how to do this. You know how to do this. It's not about begging, crying, or wanting Jesus to do something. He's already done it. You have to believe it. You have to take it. The reality is sickness and disease is not in your life. Jesus, Jesus, God wants you healed so much so that Jesus came and took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses and carried your pains, right? The reality is sickness and disease is not in your life. God, first of all, he didn't bring sickness and disease for a higher purpose. He didn't do it to try to teach you something. He didn't do it to punish you for something. He didn't do it to get glorified. He took it. It's not even yours anymore. God is not withholding anything from you. Health for you, he's not withholding it from you. I've got a lot of things written down. Mm. He never wants you to be sick. He never wants you to be sick. Go to 1 Peter 2, 24. 1 Peter chapter 2, the 24th verse. Are you still believing God with me? Remember, Matthew quotes Jesus as saying, or, 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 or quoted this, that said this was a fulfillment of what the prophet Isaiah had spoken. He took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He took. He took them. In 1 Peter 2, 24, we'll look at the last part of the verse. It says, by whose stripes you what were healed. I always think of, uh, 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 who was it, the singer? Not Larry Hutton, the guy that you, you do your impersonation of. <laughs> Steve says, I don't know. David Ingalls always sang the song. If he, you know, <laughs> Stephen does a great impersonation of him. So you ought to get him to do it sometime, not at church. Uh, <laughs> we don't want judgment to fall on you and Stephen. But anyway, he sings this song, you know, uh, about that. If I was, you know, uh, now that I can't think of the song. <laughs> you want to sing it for us? Stephen said, No. <laughs> 
He sings a song, you know, First Peter 2, 24 says we were. And if we were, then I am. I am healed. I am whole. I'm on the wrong key. From the top of my head to the soles to the tips of my toes. What is that? It's a revelation of the fact that if Jesus took it, then you are healed. It's his will for you to walk in total health, so much so that he's already taken everything you're facing, every symptom in your body that's shown up is a lie. It's a lie. It may be real in the natural, but in the realm of the spirit, it's a lie. And that's more real than what you feel. Because Jesus wants you whole so much that he already took it. Healing belongs to you. You've got to get this established in your life. The second thing we want to talk about is the fact that God's word is an absolute reality. You have to see God's word as an absolute reality in every single area. Go to Isaiah. We, we quoted the scripture there. Matthew referred back to it. Let's go look at it in Isaiah 53. These are, these are verses that you can read and you should just read and get these things settled for yourself. There's healing in every single word in these verses. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says, Surely he has borne our griefs. The Amplified says sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows. The Amplified says sorrows and pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah was looking forward to what Jesus was going to do. First Peter 2.24 looks back to what Jesus already did. We live in the time of not the looking forward. We're looking, we live in the time of the looking back. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases. See, why do you keep saying that? Because you don't, you need to stop looking at things as though it's yours. It's not yours anymore. God's word is absolute. If he said Jesus bore them, then he bore them. If it says that Jesus took your sicknesses and pains, that means Jesus has taken them. They belong to him now. He took them upon himself. We have to look at these things as being absolute. In every area of life and the word of God, faith is the same in every single area. But we've got to look at every area as being absolute. Though what the word says is 100% reality. Now, I know this, this may be a little bit difficult sometimes to take, but our reluctance to, to take God at his word in one area will cost us in other areas, right? Our, we have to look at the, the Bible as a whole as it is 100%. This, we're talking about receiving. We're talking about being, being, being a good receiver and receiving your healing. You've got to look at God's word as being absolutely true in every single area. If you want to walk in what God has provided for you, you can't subdivide it into the things that you like and the things that you don't like. You can't look at how you raise your kids one way because that's how mama did it or grandmama did it, but then want to walk in blessing because this is what the Bible says. You understand what I'm saying? You can't, you can't expect to walk in health in one area 
when you're not looking at your finances right in the other areas. You might say, well, well, how do you know this to be true? Well, we see this throughout the word of God. We see this principle. That's true. Now, there's a part of ignorance when you don't know something. There's a part of there that God will work with. When you know something to be true, you've got to walk in that. I was, I was reading something and, um, uh, that Brother Hagin was talking about. It was actually, I think, in the same, the same book. Um, did I not write that down? Oh, my Lord. I'll just, I'll tell you the example. Same book. He was, um, there was a young minister that had come through his meetings and, and that uh, it was around Christmas time. And uh, Brother Hagen, uh, uh, you know, it was, I believe he was pastoring at this time. This was earlier his pastoring. And so this minister had come through. And um, the Lord had laid it on Brother Hagen's heart to give this man a certain amount of money. The Lord had told him to do something. He had told him, I want you to give this man, this traveling minister, a certain amount. Actually, what happened was this guy showed up in their town, got off the bus. He was a, he was a, a, a well-known or a somewhat known a traveling minister, showed up in town at, at this bus stop and uh, at the, right in front of their church. And so he came into service. And so uh, after service, you know, he ended up giving this man this money. Of course, he argued with the Lord. The Lord told him to give a certain amount of money. He said, well, Lord, it's Christmas, and I haven't bought anything for my wife. I haven't bought anything for my kids. I haven't done these things. I haven't, haven't obeyed. You know, I haven't, done, I haven't take care of, taken care of my responsibilities with my family yet. And yet the Lord told him, no, you need to give this. And so he had this big argument with himself. So finally he, he decided to obey, and he gave this man this money. And um, time went on, and, and then several, several years, I believe, had passed. And uh, they were called into a particular situation to pray for somebody. And so they were praying for this person. And God used Brother Hagen to, to, to pray for this individual. And the person got healed of some really major issues were going on in life. God raised him up. And the Spirit of God said to him, had you not obeyed with that offering with that man, that traveling minister those years ago, I would not have been able to use you in this area right here. When it comes to receiving things from God, we've got to walk in obedience in every single area. If you are choosing not to walk in the light that you have, you are choosing to not enjoy the light that you have in other areas. Sometimes healing is not received because of disobedience in other areas of our lives. So I said sometimes we don't walk in, in reality in one thing because we're not treating it right in other areas. You know, this area that Brother Hagen had, had talked about, and he said, now you're just talking about just wanting money. No, no, this is, this is, this is a reality for us. Because in, in these things, right, Jesus said you can't serve God and money. I'm just using this as an example. You can't serve God and you can't serve money, right? You're the one love and hate the, hate the other. You hate one or, you know, love one and hate the other, right? He said you can't do both. And so oftentimes in, in these areas where they seem to be undis, or not connected, they're absolutely connected, I said they're absolutely connected. If you're, if you're not walking in the truth you have, it, it can cost you from walking in other realities that you know to be true. Absolutely the truth. If you're not walking in honor towards your bosses, if you're not walking in honor towards your pastors or your fellow church members, right? If you're living in resentment, if you're living in, in offense, if you're doing things, living in things that you know you shouldn't be living in, it can hinder your ability to receive in other areas. It can. You have to, we have to treat God's word as it is absolutely true in every single area. 
The word matters in every area of your life. What I just said, that little section right there will, will, will help some people. I said it'll help some people. Little things that you think is not a big deal could very well be costing you answers in other areas. And the enemy wants you to make it, he wants you to think it's okay. He wants you to think it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Walk in the light that you have. I know of people that have opportunities have come their way that were God-given opportunities. Things that would have been the blessing of the Lord in their life would have been promotions for them, would have been uh, great opportunities in their careers and different areas, but because of disobedience in other areas, they missed out on it. Something that was tailor-made just for them, but because they were choosing to not live right in other areas, not do the word in other areas, they missed out on those things. I've missed out on things because I've not walked in the light that I had in other areas. I tell you, this is such an important thing. So this is such an important thing that we treat the word of God as being absolute and walk in the light that we have in every single area. Go to Proverbs chapter four. When it comes to the word of God and the truth we have, it's so important that we look at it right. Proverbs, the fourth chapter, uh, we'll look here in the 20th verse. It says, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ears into my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Verse 22, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Notice it, it, these words that he was talking about was more than just words on healing. He said, my son, attend to my words, incline your ears unto my sayings. He had a lot more to say, a lot to say about a lot of things other than just health. He said, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. All of these words, their life unto those who find them and their health all, to all their flesh. We have to recognize that God's word is beneficial in every single area. Every, every, every area of life Scripture in one area, obedience in one area, causes blessing in other areas as well. It absolutely does. Why? Because it's spirit, it's life. All of it is spirit and life. It says here that God's word is medicine. It says here God's word is medicine. You know, as I was thinking about this, you know, you can become immune to medication. One of the ways you, you become immune to medication is by taking it the wrong way. Maybe not taking it consistently. Now, I'm not a doctor. Obviously, I've never played one on TV. I'm not a doctor. I've never played one on TV, right? But I do know this. When you, when you get some antibiotics from the doctor, they're very specific on how you take it. Aren't they? The, they, they, it comes on the label. They put on the label how to do it, right? Then they even, the pharmacist even ask you, do you need any questions? Do you have any questions about how to do this? And I don't know the reasoning, but, you know, take it every day in the morning. It's such, they're very specific on how you take this medicine. You don't get a, a bottle of, of antibiotics and it just says, take it how you feel like it, right? I've never seen a bottle of antibiotics like that. Just take at will, No, he's got very specific instructions. And he'll tell you too, right? Take this number, right? And the doctor will say, take all of them. Even if you start feeling better, take all of them. Don't just take parts of them, but take all of it and finish it to the end, right? Well, you have to be careful how you take it. There are, you have to take it the right way. And if you don't, your body can develop an immunity to the medication that's there to help you. 
If you don't treat it right, if you don't approach it right, if you don't take, if you don't value what it is and what it can do, it causes you not to take it right. God's word is the same way. His word is medicine, but you can grow immune to the medicine of God's word. You can develop an immunity to this healing word of God in your life by not taking it right. That's what I'm talking about. Not treating it as absolute in every single area. It's such an important thing you, that we make sure we not build a resistance to God's word. First Samuel 3, 1 Samuel 3.1 says this, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of God, the word of the Lord was precious in those days because there was no open vision. Listen, God's word is precious. In every area, God's word is precious. Now, I know these are really simple things, but this is not difficult. These are not difficult things to understand. These are not difficult things to grasp. They're oftentimes little small things that we don't look at it quite right. We don't look at things quite, we don't value God's word in every area the way that we should. And we begin to look at it as not being precious and we develop an immunity to God's word. It's so important that we not do this. It's so important that we make sure that we not walk in immunity. Go, go with me or against God's word. Go to Romans chapter four. Romans, the fourth chapter. Praise God. Let's all stand. I'm going to stop because I can't get into this. It's, 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 uh, it'll be a while if I can get back out of it. Let's all stand up. Hallelujah. This is so important. The things, the, the next little thing I want to talk about is, is such an important part of it. Uh, to our receiving healing. I don't want to get into it and not be able to stop. God wants you healthy. He wants you whole. Amen. Do you believe that to be true in your life? Every sickness and every disease come to the place to where it bothers you that it's there. Never be where you're okay with things. Never let it be that you're, you're comfortable with it. Never adapt to less than what Jesus has provided for you. He wants you healthy. He wants you whole. It's his will. It's his desire for you. But develop that same attitude to everything you see in God's word. When I see in my life where something doesn't measure up, it bothers me. I want it to bother me. Then I'm not walking in light. I'm not walking where I can. It's so important that you do that. It's a vital, precious, important thing in our life. Amen. Close your eyes. Father, we're so very thankful for your goodness. So thankful for your kindness your love your compassion father we honor you so much father we're thankful that the word of god belongs to us you've given it to us it is it is truth father it is spirit it is life hallelujah father we we're grateful for what jesus has provided in his death burial and resurrection father healing belongs to us
it's ours. Father, we once again, we confess of ourselves, we're good receivers. We receive well of your scripture, Father. And we determine in ourselves and make the determination to stand before you tonight, Lord, to walk in the light that we have. To walk in the truth that you've given us, Father, areas that we've seen in the past. Father, forgive us for not walking in them. Bring things to our attention, adjustments that need to be made, Father. But we make the determination to walk in the light that we have. We know more light will come, but Father, we also know that we'll be obedient to your word. And that obedience will bring blessing in every area of our life. Father, we thank you for more revelation in these areas we've asked for it in the past. Father, we thank you for more revelation, more understanding. Father, we thank you for tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, we honor you. We bless you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we honor you. Hallelujah. Let me just say this, when it comes to treating God's word as absolute, it's really the things of God, right? And, and, and uh, the things we're instructed in the word, let's be a church, make sure that we're a church that, that honors uh, scripture, but also honors every, um, every aspect of how the body of Christ is set up to work. Right, like how how he says things needs to happen, how we uh, uh, how God has ordained things to operate. Let's let's make sure we we treat that right. Um, okay, I believe this is kind of separate, and uh, I believe God has some things He wants to do here. We know God has been at work in us. But you know what I said about healing, about um, not walking in the light we have in one area can cost you in the area of healing. If we're not walking in, um, if, if we let, uh, what's the best way to say that? If, we're let, if we let attitude get in the way of, of things that he's told us to do, um, it can affect where God takes us. It can affect his ability to to. to take us as a church where we need, where we need to go. Um, it ought to be something that as a church, when things are brought up from the pulpit, things are asked that we're quick to respond to those things. Right. You know, not everything is there scripture and verse for, but, but there are principles in God's word and there are things that sometimes get asked. I think sometimes things that get, we need this to happen, we need this to happen. And, and yet people are slow to respond and resistant to respond to those things. 
people say, well, if I see it in scripture, thou shalt do this, then I'll do that. But if it's something that my pastor asked me to do, I'll do it if I want to do it. You understand what I'm saying? That's not how authority works. Remember I said we have to walk in the light. That's not how authority works. Pastor has always said, you know, that, that his authority doesn't go home with you, but here, he, he has authority here at this church. This is where he's the head of, the, of, the, of this local body. And um, we need to make sure that we're responding to these things. When things are asked of us, that we, I'm talking about myself included, that we respond to these things. We don't need to be asked over and 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 over to do certain things. We should do it the first time that we're asked. Right? So we should do these things the first time that we're asked. Right? Because there's always a reason behind it. And a lot of times people say, I'll do it if I understand the reason, if I agree with the reason. How many know that's not actually walking, that's not treating God's word as being absolute? If something's asked of me that I agree with, I'll do it. But if not, I won't because there's not a specific verse for that. Thou shalt do this, then I won't. That's actually rebellion. And that will hinder us as a whole from going where God needs us to go. Last Sunday, um, and Pastor, I hope I'm not getting out of line. But last Sunday, I believe the Lord uh, put this on my heart. And... um, this is a simple thing. I just got the eyebrow from my mom. <laughs> she, I got an oh no look, or what is he going to say? Like, what's he going to say? Uh, last, last Sunday, you know, Pastor Angela had said about, um, uh, this is just an example about people moving in closer together because we had people that were looking for seats. Many people are looking for seats. And I, you know, I talked to Zach after and he said some people had, were moving up at that point. I'm, I'm talking about things that will keep us from going where we need to go. There were a lot of people who didn't move that could have moved, but just didn't move. I mean, it's the truth. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not looking around because I, I couldn't see anything. I wasn't doing, I'm not, I couldn't see anything. I didn't ask Zach for specifics, but if, if we're, resistant to obey those things because it puts us out of our comfort zone. That means we're really not comfortable with the presence of God because we're trading the com- the presence of God for our being comfortable in the natural. You, you understand? And this is not necessarily related to healing, but it is related to healing and to all of the promises of God. If we're resistant to things they were actually resistant to the presence of God. We're actually putting, he keeping him at bay. He can't honor us with his presence if there's dishonor in our hearts. And it is a hard issue if we won't do the things that are asked. It is a hard issue if we won't do the things that are asked. And this is our Sunday night crowd. This is our, this is our core of our church. We need to set the example for how things are going to go. There shouldn't be a single thing that pastor has to ask more than once. I said, there shouldn't be a single thing that pastor has to ask more than one time. That's not talking about running your life. That's not talking about what you do at home. None of those things. That's how, how we conduct ourselves here, right? These are things when they get asked, we should do it because that's what's being asked of us. It's the same as if G, it is the same as if Jesus were asking us to do it. 
Because if Jesus put him in charge, Pastor Angela in charge, puts me, Amy in charge, Steve in charge. If the Lord puts us in charge of something, even if we're wrong, if, if I'm wrong or pastor's wrong, God will hold them responsible for not, not doing the right thing. Whether they're wrong or not, and we don't obey and don't respond, then he holds us accountable for not responding, even when they're incorrect. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? There's been some things, there's been some resistance to in the last several years. You do, you do know that, right? There's been some things, there's been some resistance to. Things I don't like. Not me, just this kind of, I don't like this, I don't like the way, I don't, I, I, I like it the way I like it kind of a thing. If we're going to move forward, we can't, we just can't do that. Is this all right? I'm taking a few extra minutes. To be honest with you, I didn't even want to talk about it tonight. I really didn't want to talk about it. But if we do that, we'll miss out on what God has for us. I'm going to give a couple examples, and please, nobody get upset with me. And I'm not, this has nothing to do with where people are at right now. But it's been asked over and over and over for people to move up. Right? And the reason being, I, I asked for people, like, do you, have you heard this? And the, 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 the agreements got quieter right away. Because we're trying to film and we want things to go online and it looks better online, right? That's the justification for it. That's the reasoning. But you know, you don't have to have a reason. I said, you don't have to have a reason to obey and to do what's asked of you. Small things like that actually cause big issues in the future, Right? I said, small little things will cause big issues in the future. Not necessarily for us. It, it can keep us from going where we need to, because where we go, we go together, right? But it can keep you out of your answer. It's the thing apart. I'm going to do it my way. I do most of these other things the way you asked me to do it. But in this thing, I'm going to do it my way. That can hurt us. Does that make sense? I'm going to try. And, and really where we sit, I mean, I sit on the front. I can't get any closer than that, right? And to be honest with you, I wouldn't even sit up here if I didn't have to. <laughs> you know, it, it's hot up here in the front. But, but it's not just, it's an attitude that we need to make sure we're, 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 we're protecting the right heart and, the, and doing things the right way. Right? I mean, these things have been asked numerous, numerous times. It's just one example. But it's, it can be a problem that if we don't deal with it, it can cost us in the future. That's all. So that's all I'm saying. This is, this is, this is. This is a good pastoral talk because this can very well keep you out of what God has for you personally and us as a group. There are many of these different things, you know, and, and uh, you just have to ask the Lord for you areas you need to make adjustments and be quick to respond. I can tell you this, Pastor, Pastor Angela, Amy and I, we never ask anything, just ask things, right? It's just, it's not who they are. It's not who we are. It's not who Steve is unless he's the sheriff. He may do it, but... But, but it, these are things that, that, that there's a reason for it. Even if we don't understand or, understand or not, they ought to be done just because they're being asked. There's something about a place where people are so willing to do whatever it takes that creates an environment where God cannot help but to just show up. Where they're looking for things that they can say, not my will, but your will. Not, not my way, but your way, God. That I just, I just want to do it the way you want me to do it. I just want, I just want, I just want, I just want every, it's like when you first meet somebody, 
the love of your life. You want to do everything you can to please them. You want to, you want to do everything you can to, to just be nice, do things for them. Right. But over time you're kind of like, Oh, that's an inconvenience. Like that happens. We can't ever become inconvenienced with the Lord. When you first got saved, you were willing to do anything. Let's maintain that. When you first met the church, you were so willing to do everything. When God placed you here, you're willing to do whatever it was asked. Let's maintain that. It's an important thing for us. Well, I've said enough. Pastor. What uh, Pastor Greg is talking about here, I addressed when I wrote my book, Building a Strong Local Church. And uh, most of you uh, that were here when I uh, published that bought the book. Uh, I I won't ask for a raise of hands of how many people completely read my book. I won't ask that, okay? But I, I know a lot of people didn't or else they weren't paying attention. I want to read, this will take me about five minutes. I want to read a section that I wrote about exactly what Pastor Greg is talking about. And you can sit down. Uh, this is in the chapter on feeding the flock of God. And that was later in the book. So I know a lot of people pick up the book and they had good intentions and they don't finish the book. I understand that. In the chapter on feeding the flock of God under the subheading, The Pastor's Reward. I quoted from Matthew 10, so I'm just going to start reading here. Matthew 10, verse 40 through 42. And he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So then I write, what does the prophet's reward refer to in verse 41? The The most common interpretation is that this refers to the reward God gives the prophet. That is, whatever reward God gives a prophet, the same will be given to the one who receives him. But is that so? An examination of the entire chapter shows that Jesus' words here were given in the context of sending out the 12 disciples, not just prophets per se. They were instructed, that is the 12 apostles, they were instructed about uh, how they were to conduct themselves, how they were to preach, and how they were to minister. They were told those who received their ministry would be blessed of the Lord, And those who did not receive their ministry would experience judgment. Those who received their ministry would experience the healing and the deliverance they preached. Another thing to note is that a prophet does not receive a reward for being a prophet. A person's person's office of ministry is according to the gifts and callings of God. It's It's not based upon his works, but upon God's own purpose and grace which was given to him in Christ Jesus before time began. Why would a minister be rewarded for something he had nothing to do with? No, the prophet, like any other minister or any other believer for that matter, is rewarded for his faithfulness to the call of God on his life. So that reward is is not transferable. 
So the so-called least in the church who is faithful to what God has called him to do will receive the same reward as the greatest who is likewise found faithful. I propose that, quote, the prophet's reward is the benefit and blessing his ministry brings to the life of the person who receives him as God's prophet. The same, and here's what I'm getting to, the same would hold true for ministry office, any ministry office. Accordingly, a pastor must teach his congregation, that's what Greg's doing tonight, a pastor must teach his congregation to receive him as their pastor so that they get the most out of his ministry to them. This is something very few pastors understand, and those who do often have a difficult time explaining it to their people. To receive a prophet, a pastor, or any ministry gift means to respect and honor the role the the minister is called to play in the believer's life. It means to be open to him and his ministry. As in the case with a prophet, when people properly receive their pastor because of the office he stands in, they will be rewarded for their openness to him and all that God has deposited in him will flow freely to them. Freely the pastor has received from God, freely he gives to his flock. This is part of the pastor's reward to his congregation, the ministry of the spirit that flows through him to his flock. Also when people truly receive their pastor, They will respond to him by getting involved and helping him accomplish the vision God has given him. Such church members are like like a ray of sunshine to their pastor. The problem is, now pay attention. The problem is many church members only seem to appreciate the supernatural aspect of their pastor's ministry while he is in the pulpit. They are like those in the church at Corinth who said Paul's epistles were weighty and powerful enough, but in person they they needed proof, quote-unquote, that Christ was speaking through him. Likewise, many today believe their pastor is speaking for God while he is preaching or teaching the word of God, quote-unquote, under the anointing. But most other times they think he is just speaking or acting as an ordinary man. However, the anointing to preach is not the pastoral anointing. It's the the preaching anointing. The preaching anointing is only there for a brief period of time. Otherwise, a man would preach himself to death. The pastoral anointing is the anointing to not only feed, but also to love, guide, and protect the flock. It is just as supernatural as as the preaching anointing And to some degree, it is on the pastor all the time. An example of this lack of discernment on the part of the church might be when the pastor encourages his members to greater faithfulness in church attendance. Or when he announces some special service, announces special services, or discusses some new program or church policy, or when he speaks correction in their lives, into their lives. People who do not want to hear what he has to say due to their natural and carnal thinking dismiss these instructions, reasoning that he is only speaking as a natural man. Little do they realize how their lack of respect and honor 
cuts them off from much of the supply of the Spirit through him, even when he is preaching or teaching or ministering by the gifts of the Spirit. Church members need to learn to relate to their pastor in light of the supernatural office he holds. And then from there I go on and give a word of caution about people, pastors that manipulate their flocks and all that sort of thing. He said, and then I went on to say, nevertheless, biblical honor is a valid and important principle that people must be taught if they're going to fully profit from ministry. Uh, though the pastor must trade, tread carefully in doing it, he must teach his people to respect and receive him as their shepherd. And I'll stop here. So what Pastor Greg is talking about is when, as the shepherd of the flock, I have a, a policy that I want our church to, to adopt and the way I want us to uh, operate when we're together. That is my domain. That's what God called me to do. Now, I'm the first person to acknowledge that I'm not perfect. But I'm also the first person to acknowledge that none of us are. Okay, so no big surprise there. That, that really doesn't have anything to do, though, with the fact that God called me, called me in, in, in spite of that. And he set me in this place in spite of that. And he set you here in spite of my uh, imperfections. And he set, and he set uh, me here in spite of your imperfections. And there's, so there's a sharing of that. And so when the pastor... Uh, believes it's important that we do such and such a thing. For instance, we need to move forward. We need to fill in certain seats. We don't, we don't, it, it, when, when people are in the flesh, when people are in the natural, thinking in the natural, well, that's just pastor. He, that's just what he likes. I like where I am, thank you. I like sitting where I am. I'm comfortable and I'm just going to be comfortable. That kind of not uh, recognizing the role of the pastor, like I said in the book, that will hinder that will hinder you when other things are being ministered from the Word and by the Spirit. You won't receive fully what you should because you closed yourself off. Amen. Now, again, if I say I want you to come and 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 uh, do something that's unscriptural, that's an entirely different thing. Amen. But when someone asks you to do, when, when the leadership asks you to do something that, that there is no compromise morally or spiritually, it's just something you could just do even though you don't like it. That's where uh, submission to authority comes in. We, uh, we remember the teaching of Keith Moore that he did such a good job years ago on submission to authority. Most people say, oh, pastor, you know, I'm in submission. No, really they're in agreement. I, 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 everything you ask, Pastor, you know, we're just glad to do. Well, that's not submission. It's only submission when you don't want to do it. Otherwise, it's agreement. And most of the people who say they're in submission, they're in agreement because the first time they get an opportunity to submit, they don't do it because they didn't like that part. Well, that's not submission to, to biblical authority. Amen. And again, this is, not, this is not the pastor trying to dominate anybody's life. This is the pastor, pastor trying to run the church. Amen. And that's what Pastor Greg was so, uh, so uh, capably uh, talking about tonight. And I just wanted to read from, from this to give you uh, 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 evidence that there's, there's no excuse. If you bought the book, 
<laughs> if you bought the book, read it. Amen. Because I, I put my entire life, ministry life into this book. And you'll understand me a whole lot more if you'll read it from begin, beginning to end. And you'll get a whole lot more out of church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Greg. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.